This is Shelby Harris, and you're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland. Welcome to All Eyes on Cleveland here on the OBR Streaming Network. My name is Brad Ward. Uh, welcome in uh, as you are all filing into the chat, the uh, greatest chat in all the land. Make sure you hit that like button and subscribe on your way in. Uh, it is the off season. Uh, it's happened way too abruptly, and uh, I have struggled with it. And I must admit, uh, it was rather upsetting uh and uh you know but here we are and so quickly into the off season we already have news to discuss and much to discuss tonight we will but let's bring on our guest tonight uh you know him uh thank you philly uh uh, you know him you love him his name is pete smith you can follow him on x at underscore pete smith underscore what's happening pete uh, not too much. Well, a lot is happening early into the offseason for the Browns. We're going to talk about some of that tonight here with the uh, moves made by the Browns uh, couple, just a couple days after a uh, uh, loss, a troublesome loss at, at uh, the hands of the Houston Texans. Um, but uh, we can. I want to talk about... Uh, why this has happened, what has happened, and what we can expect as we move forward here. Um, Pete, uh, how su- are you surprised at all uh, by the, the changes? Um, are you... Did you think they would come later? Did you expect this in any way? I don't know about the the specifics of who was going to get uh let go or however you want to call it yeah but i expected changes on the offensive side of the ball um particularly as we saw this year progress um i think losing nick chubb in particular really exposed a lot of the warts the offense has um because the second he went down with the injury the running game died um and and this isn't just because you know well well before the browns were reduced to Jaron Christian and, and James Hudson the third, like even when they had Jed Wills and Dewan Jones, the running game was awful. Um, so that was one of the big problems they had. Um, but even then, like just watching the games, um, whether it was the offense getting stuck in ruts or just watching other teams and how they played the Browns. I don't want to say that the Browns offense was bad necessarily. I just think that, the there's an element of not allowing it to get to a point where it is. And you look around the division, um, a division where everybody finished with a winning record and it would be easy to point to the Baltimore Ravens and, and go, well, they were fine with uh, Greg Roman. Their offense was fine. They were pretty good uh, with Greg Roman, but they made the move to go ahead and replace Greg Roman and his staff and brought in Todd Munkin. And that staff now not only is the offense better, but they are, the, you know, they could easily lose certainly, but they are still the best position they've been since maybe they won the Super Bowl in 2012. So you are looking at a landscape where everybody's trying to get better. The Steelers are going to hire an offensive coordinator this offseason. 
they can't be worse. Um, so you now yeah. risk, let's say they make a great hire. Um, you don't want to be that team that sort of gets lost uh, in the back and you want to make sure that you are constantly trying to compete. And, and I think there's an element to this where four years is a lifetime in the NFL. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and, I, and I think that's a big part of it is, is just a lot has changed in the past four years. And, and, you know, there's a lot of reasons to move on from coaches. Some of it may have nothing to do with performance. It may just entirely be about fit and where the team's going. Some guys aren't equipped to teach or coach certain things, or they just don't believe in it. It's just not who they are. Yeah. And at that point, it, it makes sense to go in a direction that makes more sense. I think, um, I think what we should have learned from last year, I think was clearly evident by the way they fired and replaced Mike Prefer. Kevin Stefanski is incredibly competitive and is looking for every edge possible. And in that regard, I think people should be really excited about this in the sense, look, they've got to nail the hires. Don't get me wrong, but they're not settling. They're not going for good enough. They are saying, yeah, well, they have a sense of urgency and they want to capitalize now with a team that has a chance to compete. And if they can make, make the moves necessary, then this team's going to be really good next year. Yeah. Um, so here is the the news came out. Justina Anderson. Uh, there. This was challenged later in the day. I'll get into that in a minute here. But I'm told uh, the Browns have fired offensive coordinator Alex Van Pelt, and that's what we'll talk about in a second. But running backs coach Stump Mitchell and tight ends coach T.C. McCartney. I believe all three guys were there all four years. Um, and so uh, there was some question about. Uh, the reporting on the Alex Van Pelt thing, and then basically uh, Jake Trotter just picked up the phone and called him and talked to him uh, personally, and he kind of explained what went on. Uh, there, you know, the Browns officially came out and said, you know, they were still in talks or whatever after that report. It sounds to me, Pete, like if you kind of read between the lines here, like he was offered another job that uh, probably a demotion of sorts in his eyes at least um, to stay on and he didn't didn't accept that uh, I I will tell you this like the moves uh, make me happy uh, not because of you know of course you don't want to see anybody lose their jobs or, or necessarily because I disliked any of these coaches but more than uh, anything, I'm just happy that the Browns are not just okay with saying, let's get healthy and run it back, right? Or let's get healthy and run it back with an iteration of what we did this year. This at least shows evidence that they would like to evolve and uh, innovate. I will tell you, I read your article, Pete, uh, of why, you know, and I was floored to read that the Browns were the, what, 31st team in using motion uh, on offense this year, like, which just kind of shows, you know, with all of the innovative stuff going on in the NFL and some of the better offenses that even defeated the Browns used motion effectively, uh, it seems like something that on offense you should be doing uh, more of than less of. Uh, I was a little bit surprised that that uh, they were that you know behind the curve on something like that so uh and certainly you point to the run game i think that makes a lot of sense uh that uh you know 
here's the thing. Here's my thing, right? And and I, I want to get your thoughts on this. It's really difficult to know what these guys contributed, right? Like we don't we don't really know exactly what was contributed by each individual position coach or assistant coach. So that makes it more difficult in these situations to assign blame. Not that blame needs to be assigned here, but if you get with uh, where I'm going with this, that it's, you know, we don't really know. We don't know uh, who did what and uh, what their contribution was for the last four years. So uh, it, we can only be left with kind of saying, obviously, uh, to your point, they want to go in a different direction or they need a fresh face in here, uh, fresh mind, fresh ideas, whatever it may be, uh, moving forward. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you're, you're left guessing as to, you know, yes, yeah. yes, Stump Mitchell is the run game coordinator, but, you know, how much how much does that really mean or what does that really entail? Or, you know, it's possible he yeah. was suggesting good ideas and they weren't using them. It, it does, you know, it's, it's impossible to know. All you can point to is the Browns offense had too many areas that were problematic. Uh, you mentioned motion, and I can defend it a little bit when you got down to Jerron Christian and James Hudson III that motion can create problems for your offensive protection. Um, you know, if you're moving guys around and suddenly the team responds by blitzing somebody else, that may confuse them. But even if we even if we say that's true, they need to move more moving forward. They need to use pre-snap motion more. Uh, and, and you look no further than some of the things the Rams were doing, some of the things the Houston Texans were doing that just absolutely killed the Browns. Um, it's a way to create angles, uh, numbers, angles, and grass, which is the easiest way to create offensive production. And it helps your quarterback out by helping to illuminate the coverage. Um, so you just need to take advantage of every, you need to create every edge you can get. But like the Browns were, I think, think the worst team in the league in terms of runs that went for one yard or less, which yeah. is disgraceful. Yeah. I mean, so, and, and yes, you can, again, you can point to these things and you can go, well, they were down to, you know, these, these players, but like we have seen some really bad offensive lines, like the 49ers offensive line. Yes. Trent Williams is phenomenal, but the rest of that line is not that good. And yet they're able to create these, uh, these run games that are effective. That that's problematic. Your offense cannot be based entirely on, well, we have to have this much talent to be effective. Or like I mentioned before, Nick Chubb is the only way this offense goes. So, one, you have to sort of get prepared for – one, I would really like to see them maximize Chubb as much as they can, presuming he's going to be back in 2024. But also they have to prepare for life without him. He's yes. not going to be here forever. And unless, they play, unless they're just saying we have to have a superstar running back – They've got to be able to create yardage on the ground, which they were not doing this past year. And we saw where that became a problem. Teams are able to play the Browns a certain way because they said, look, you can't run on us and we're going to dare you to beat us with the pass and eventually you're going to make mistakes. And the Browns led the league in turnovers. So these are all areas of the offense where you're sitting there going, these have, these have to improve. So that's where we're at. Um, and again, you know, I, I wish nothing but the best for these guys. The Browns went to the playoffs twice. They won the first playoff game since 1994, you know, but it's also time to sort of look to the future and get better the way the Ravens have and the way these other teams have is to constantly innovate. And the thing I've noticed, at least with the coaches they're talking to, um, not, and I'm not surprised by this So in what we've seen, they're all younger. The Browns, yeah. T.C. McCartney is the exception. 
he's a young guy, but like in general, the Browns offensive staff is older uh, than a lot of staffs. I mean, you know, I, nobody's going to get rid of Bill Callahan, but he's 67. Stump yeah. Mitchell 64. Yeah. Um, there is an element of you got to get innovative new, new people that can bring new ideas. And what are we seeing all over the league? All these younger coordinators who are coming in and, and doing all these things, whether it's Shane Steichen with the Colts or, uh, some of these offenses or like Bobby Sloak with the Texans, like there is something to be said for that, um, whether it's the influence of, you know, high school into college into the NFL, whatever that you want to keep bringing in new ideas and keep trying to keep ahead of where defenses are going because league wide. And there's a lot of things to this quarterback has dipped overall. Uh, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, losing Aaron Rodgers for a year. Quarterback plays just down a little bit. Yeah. Um, but we also saw a historically like bad offensive year. So there, there, I think this is going to be more common than people think where teams are going to look to see where defenses are going, how they've caught up and come up, try to come up with ways to get offense, you know, scoring more points than they, than, than this year. Yeah. Um, I think you make a good point about the age stuff. Not that, you know, we know for sure, once again, we don't know for sure, but you can probably make, draw a couple parallels there with, you know, their ability to not run the ball that well this year. Stump Mitchell, running back coach and run game coordinator, to your point, you know, you have Bill Callahan, how much of that is him, right? It's got to be a lot, you would think. Uh, but Stump, you know, probably not bringing in the freshest newest ideas and most innovative ideas in the run game in the nfl right so uh if that's something you need to pivot off of to become better i'm glad that stefanski's willing to do that yeah i mean if uh if stump mitchell is attached to the wide zone game that may not be where the browns need to go particularly with the sean watson which is certainly a factor but it's also just they don't really have the personnel right now to do yeah. this. Um, so that may be part of this. If, if, if they want to get into more of a inside zone, split zone duo type stuff um, that, that, you know, they've got to mar effectively marry the play action concepts with what they're doing effectively with the ground game. And what we saw early in the year was like running wide zone with Jedrick Wills when he was struggling and Dewan Jones, who just physically is not built I don't know if he's ever going to be a guy who's going to get out in the front side and like, yeah, get out there. So you've got to go in with what you have down blocks, uh, you know, pullers and just double teams. And that may be where they need to go with this, but like, and I'm not suggesting there's only one way to do it. It just seems like the way they have been doing it is not what is going to be effective with, with the personnel they have moving forward. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and so uh, we've had some, a couple other uh, news tidbits come through. So um, we kind of talked about the initial moves here. And then uh, since then, we, we've got some news of potential movement on the defensive side of the ball as uh, this uh, Crow uh, character, right, from uh, – uh, the Titans, <laughs> uh, will, uh, I guess, you know, they're saying potentially be in line as the, uh, um, DC and waiting, uh, and potentially would replace Ben Bloom. Now we don't know that for sure. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, there is a certain, uh, um, familiarity here between, I believe him and Schwartz, correct? 
Yeah, I mean, they were both with the Titans. Uh, Crow was with uh, Vrabel the entire run, uh, his time with the tit- with the uh, Titans. Uh, Crow has all kinds of experience of Ohio. In fact, when when uh, it was announced that the, or th- this came out, I talked to somebody who played for him. Um, oh, really? Uh, so that was you know positive about what he could bring. Certainly, the implication here is that Ben Bloom may still be with the organization, but may 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 go back to like the run game the the, the run game coordinator the position he had before for the defense or something else. Okay, there's no we've not the Browns have not confirmed any no, <laughs> of no, coaching moves, yeah. but yeah. I, I, no one's come out and reported that Ben Bloom's out of the organization either, but. Crow clearly has ties to Jim Schwartz. There's a familiar there, familiarity there. He's also young, another young guy, has a lot of experience uh, at all kinds of different co- uh, positions coaching. He's coached offensive line. He's been an offensive coordinator, uh, line, coached line, helped with linebackers at Ohio State before uh, he and Kerry Coombs came down to uh, Tennessee to coach with, with Vrabel. Um, so, you know, how good is he? Hard to say, but – I, I, I don't, I don't hate the idea of bringing in somebody else to coach the defensive line. I, you know, the Browns brought in all this talent, and yet when it came right down to it, we were still in a in a world where it was either Miles Garrett was making plays or, or or not enough was happening. Doesn't mean that was all the time, but it was still, you know, we didn't get like another guy with ten sacks, for example. It was mostly like you know three sacks, five sacks, whatever, and then Miles Garrett with fifteen or whatever it was. So it's an opportunity to get better and again, continue to evolve. And, and clearly because Vrabel was fired, it becomes very easy to, for Schwartz to go get guys he's familiar with uh, and put more of a stamp uh, of his own on this defense since, you know, he came in and uh, kept Jason Tarver, who's done a great job with linebackers. Uh, but he yeah. was like pretty, one of the stranger aspects of Jim Schwartz's hiring is he kept saying he was perfectly comfortable with, Kevin Stefanski hiring his staff for him. With all of his staff that was existing. Weird. But anyway, yeah, so familiarity could help. This could be an opportunity to to get better on that side of the ball. And certainly I think there's a lot that we need to see from the defense. And and what I would hope with Crow and just getting more – you know, getting somebody else on the the defensive side of the ball is they're able to adjust to some of the things that gave them problems this past year in terms of – the amount of jet sweeps that would gash the Browns and some of the other things that were just uh, problematic motion, all kinds of stuff, misdirection that just gave the Browns fits. Yeah. So uh, just a quick question in the chat here from chat uh, underscore username is Schwartz saying that I, I would imagine that uh, this points pretty directly to him not going anywhere. Right, Pete? Well, there's, zero interest to this point of him being head coach <laughs> in him, so yeah. unless he's just done coaching. Yeah. I, I see no reason why, why he would go anywhere or why, why he wouldn't be back. And yes, I agree. The fact that they are talking to somebody who used to work with him certainly suggests that he's going to be here. Um, Let's talk real before we go back. I want to go back to the offensive side of the ball, but real quickly while we're on this and you mentioned, you know, fixing some of the issues, um, Certainly the Titans, or the uh, Titans, got the Titans guy on the screen, so I'm throwing myself off here. The Texans uh, game, the wild card game, uh, as well as the Colts game earlier in the year and some other games 
shine a light on maybe some things that Schwartz um, is unable to or has not figured out how to adjust to properly, I guess you would say. Uh, it felt like, it, you know, watching uh, that game that his answer to pressure not getting home was to ramp up more pressure or, you know what I mean? Uh, so I, I guess um, just turning the uh, the heat up on what was already your existing identity isn't always going to be the answer. Uh, defensively, I think you have to have some other aspect or plan for some of this stuff that we've seen kind of take this defense apart. So as we head into the offseason, uh can we look at these new hires as potential answers to that? Do you think that they are, uh, is this another example where uh, this will help Schwartz innovation wise, or does that need to come from another influence uh, in the organization or outside the organization to in the future plan for this sort of attack that apparently maybe right now Schwartz isn't used to handling? Um. Well, let's start here. Vrabel did not run Schwartz's defense. Vrabel ran right. his own. Uh, and yep. Schwartz certainly had some input in some of the things they were doing there. But uh, it seems like in addition to getting what he believes would be a good defensive line coach, maybe he wants some of those that influence. The Texans game was incredibly frustrating. I will also say that I'm fine with what we saw this year. The Browns developed a clear identity and was very good for them. I think Jim Schwartz did a great job in terms of getting people on the same page. I think one of the, his strengths is coaching his coaches. So everybody was on the same page. Everybody knew exactly the direction they wanted to go. Um, what I hope is that now that that has happened, we've done that for a year, that now it becomes it, – it's not changing the defense necessarily. I just think it's expanding the identity yeah. and being able to now have these answers for this. You had the number one defense in the league, and yes, there are a number of things you can point to and go – well, this, this, and this. That's fine. I don't care. What I'm interested in is when the Browns are in a position where the offense is going to be better, that they have more answers and are able to be more adaptable to this type of situation. My fear, or you know, my concern would be the Browns are better on the offensive side of the ball. The defense does the exact same thing, and we find ourselves sitting here disappointed next year in the playoffs because somebody else was able to just do these things. My hope is that that whether it's whether it's crow whether it's just watching the tape and going we can't we can't just keep getting beat by this again i would hope that this is a realization going yeah these are the things this is what we did in year 1 we were able to hammer all these things down we got very good at this stuff and now heading into year 2 we're going to keep doing this and then add in these other points so that we have the ability to change up and do that if you look at it from that standpoint go this is going to be the second year of the defense you're going to have all the continuity all those things then if they're willing to make those changes, if they are if they are looking at this thing the same way we are and going, we can't have this happen again, we've got to come up with answers, then I'm really encouraged about what this defense could look like next year. Don't you think, um, I mean, it feels to me like in the self-scouting process, it would be pretty obvious that somebody in the organization, whether it's Kevin Stefanski or if Jim Schwartz is stubborn about it or whatever, somebody's going to say, there's kind of a trend of what's beating us here defensively. We have to do something about this in the offseason. 
Yes, and part of me, part of me has this <laughs> this evil sense that the Browns want to change their offense specifically just to torture Schwartz's defense, so he has to figure it out. Otherwise, he's going to get killed all summer long in practice. I, I do think that's a part of it. I do think that uh, I think some of the things the Browns ran offensively, like the 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 number of jet sweeps they tried to run with Elijah Moore, was a product of it probably worked in practice against the defense <laughs> that was bad against it, like. This is the daddy you're getting that this is working, and it was it was a problem for them all season. So I do think part of it is you are adapting on def- uh, your offense to give your own defense more problems, which forces them to adapt because it's either it, it, it's either uh, evolve and adapt or die. So I do think there's a part of that 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 both sides are going to evolve and challenge each other so that they don't find themselves in these ruts. And we don't find ourselves talking about these exact same problems next year. Now they have to go out and prove it. But again, I I think everything I'm seeing, this is why I I appreciate what Kevin Stefanski is doing. Everything I'm seeing to me sees shows recognition of the problem and trying to get ahead of it so that they are ready to do this. Again, you don't want to put yourself in a position where we're sitting here next year pissed off because they what, they may have wasted a season because they didn't do these things. We're running the yeah. same offense that we saw problems with or running the same defense where we had clear issues that they couldn't deal with. I think the this is all an indication that the Browns understand this is what's happening and this is their attempt to deal with it. Yeah. Uh, and not not easy to get rid of guys that have been around for four years, right? And certainly had the put an imprint on this team and a team that went to the playoffs twice. So, uh, you know, good uh, shows a dedication to getting better uh, and keeping up with everybody around them. Real quickly here, speaking of getting better, you can get better with. Uh, Honing in on some uh, promotional and gear. Uh, if you have a logo, contact Philly. Branded apparel, promo products, commercial print, uh, commercial print, pardon me, uh, displays and signage, e commerce sites, and more. Uh, check it out. Philly hooked me up. I've got my latest one here. This is, this is a beaut. I got to look at this. Can I, how do I do this here? Uh, let me pull this back. Look at this. This is a beaut right here. The orange with the OBR logo. Team OBR. I got another one. My uh, my latest uh, uh, extra order of Philly gear has arrived. It is all beautiful stuff. Hand stitched. Fits perfectly. Reach out to Scott Fillinger at scott.fillinger at proforma.com. It is in the description below. It's Sync Marketing Group. It's all amazing stuff. If you've got a logo, if you've got a big company, small company, if you've got a promotion you're running, whatever you need, reach out. He will take care of you. They will take care of you. The products are amazing. Callaway, North Face, Yeti, Nike, Adidas, and other uh, beautiful brands that you can hit up. So reach out to Philly. Once again, in the description below, scott.fillinger at proforma.com and uh, it's amazing I love it I am uh, thrilled to be wearing some of Philly's gear tonight as it is it's it's a gorgeous orange it is it really is I think personally Uh, all right back to things here let's uh, go back to our uh, recent tweets here Uh, 
the Browns having Deuce Stalian. Now I have a question about uh, having Stalian. Do you think this is for the running backs job or? All right. So before we get into this, let's talk about this first. Okay. There are different thoughts on whether Kevin is willing to give up the play calling duties. I personally lean towards that he's not. Uh, I kind of feel like that's something that he may never want to give up. Uh, I think he's a good play caller. I think it's hard to find guys that are as good at sequencing and things like that as he is. Um, So whether he's willing to give that up, I don't know. But either way, it puts the candidates in two two different categories, right? Like, I think that there's a certain kind of candidate out there for the OC position that you could probably get by giving him the ability to call plays. And there's probably another group of younger, maybe less qualified, maybe just as interesting to you, but maybe less qualified or not as high-profile guys that you could probably hire for this OC job and not have to give them the play calling duties. Does that make sense? Uh, well, my short answer, I don't care who calls the plays. Ultimately. <laughs> I, I really don't. I mean, I think Kevin Stefanski okay. is great at it, but like, yeah, so do I, we, yeah. we, we, we obsess over something that's not that big of a deal. Okay. Um, Kevin Stefanski has a clear value. He adds to it, adds to the team as a play caller. I don't see why he would change that unless he's so blown away by a, a coordinator candidate that he just goes, this is the best for the team. Having said that, I also don't think that because a guy is a play caller or wants to be a play caller makes him a better offensive coordinator candidate than somebody who doesn't. I mean, ultimately, this is where you get into, I don't know. Um, we don't have enough information. Like when, when it comes to any coaching search, my stand my standard response is we don't have enough information to make an informed opinion, yet we see all these people who are sure. willing to defend coaching candidates to the hilt. Uh, which is why you know you saw you've seen any number of co- head coaches who were just horrendous. McDaniel's, I mean, there were people who were who were outraged that the Browns didn't hire McDaniel's, who is one of the worst coaches in NFL history at this point. Um, but we don't know. You know, we can look at stats, or we can go. But largely, it's based on what we've heard from other people or their reputation, which is usually. Uh, has somebody carrying their water in the media. Yeah. But that doesn't tell me, one, how do they cult- re- cultivate relationships with players? How do they install and teach scheme? Like, what do they bring to the table that's going to make you better? Uh, you know, are, are, do players want to play for them? All those little things. It's impossible to know enough information. So at most, you have like maybe 5% of the information necessary to like have an informed opinion. So it's very difficult to be like hey this is a great candidate based on like a small list of uh, you know their history or whatever um we generally you know q jackson at the time was was the the greatest candidate candidate, yeah so like it's a really it's a really easy it's it's a really easy pitfall but uh yeah so it's very easy to go well if if kevin stefanski isn't willing to give up play calling duties he's going to get lesser coordinator options. I, I, I don't believe in that. I think ultimately like 
for, let's take the example of the offensive line coach that they're interviewing for the C, C, uh, from the Seahawks. Sure. I don't know if uh, if Andy Dickerson is is if if they're legitimately looking at him as the offensive coordinator. If this is sort of insurance in case Bill Callahan was to go in elsewhere, but he's never called plays. But as an offensive line coach, he may be really good at being able to sort of engineer a running game that's going to be super effective for the offensive line and the running back. Um, It's, or he just, you know, you may have a candidate who's really good at sort of figuring out how to do these things, but may not be good at sort of sequencing or making the calls or whatever. But I also think that we, the part of the reason I don't care about who calls plays is because there it's way more than one person. It is a group effort. Right. Kevin Stefanski during a game is not on the offensive headset the entire time. He's at points he's going to go listening on what's going on in the defense or special teams or whatever, or has to talk to somebody that has nothing to do with this. The rest of the offensive staff is continuing to grind away, looking at what the previous drives went, what the defense is doing, all these other things, and coming up with ways to attack. There may yeah. be situations. I guarantee there were points where whether it was Chad O'Shea or more likely Alex Van Pelt is just basically saying, hey, run this, run this combination of plays. And Kevin Stefanski is just literally just being fed the plays and just calling them out because he's the guy who, who sends them the plays. That's why I, I don't get too caught up in it. Ultimately, all I'm worried about is what's going to create the best offense. So I'm not caught up in, you know, this idea that the Browns have to have to be able to give up play calling so that they'll get the best possible candidate. It, it's, it's, there's yeah. too much unknown to, to be able to, to make that judgment. Yeah. I, I don't think, I think, uh, maybe I said that wrong. I don't think it's the best candidate. And I, I think you're right. Like I, we have no idea. Uh, but I think that for maybe let's say, just say high profile candidates or someone that, you know, has more experience, maybe, uh, like Drew says here, a job with play calling, uh, with it may be more attractive to that, that, you know, candidate. And in that case, uh, because you're a step closer to being a head coach, probably if that's the case. Potentially. I mean, ultimately, um, that is part of it that, you know, good play callers tend to get looks as, as a head coach. So there's yeah. certainly an element of it to that. But again, um, that's another aspect of this where we don't always look at the right qualities for head coaches and yes. you end up picking guys who pick play, maybe call plays well, but have no idea all the other skills necessary to be an effective head coach. Uh, I think, you know, there's too much of a, uh, falling in love with brands as opposed to actual understanding of how coaching works. Yeah. So it, it's look in terms of, I, I know what the immediate reaction with people saw Andy Dickens, Dickerson's name is immediately going, Oh, he, he must be a shitty candidate because, because he, 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 he's not, you know, he's an offensive line coach. He's he never called plays or anything, but like Seattle, you know, obviously Shane Waldron's getting a lot of buzz who is a play caller, but like there's a lot of interest in that Seattle offense in the same way that you might, you might get one of the guys from the 49ers or the Rams because they're popular, you know, names, but they're, they're popular offenses, but they may not call plays and still could be super valuable for you. So I think, again, it's too much of a, an easy trap to fall into to to suggest that, well, this guy's not going to get to call plays. He must not be very good. I, I think, uh, people undervalue what Alex Van Pelt does and that did in that building to this point, even though they are moving in a different direction at this point. 
Yeah, no, I, I think I totally agree with you. I think there's probably a lot of guys value out there. I just think that maybe there's a group that says, uh, you know, I uh, want to call plays and I can't hear, so I'm going to go someplace else. Uh, so, to as, as far as valuable goes, there's a lot of really good candidates out there. You mentioned the O line coach. My first reaction was uh, not he's going to be a shitty OC. Mine was what's going on with Bill Callahan. And you hinted yeah. this earlier. And uh, is there a link? Can you, t you know, connect the dots here with what's going on with Brian Callahan potentially? So there, the Brian Callahan is interviewed for four or five head coaching jobs. Right. Um, there's a strong belief that if he gets a head coaching job, that uh, Bill Callahan will go coach with him, which is I'm not saying that won't happen. It's just strange to me that why why now as opposed to when your kid got the offensive coordinator job, it seems like it would have been really useful to have right. a, a good offensive line coach because the Bengals have had terrible offensive line. <laughs> so, um, but I but I think that also has more to do with Bill Callahan is a former head coach. He's obviously an offensive line coach. He's been an offensive coordinator. I think he would you know he would immediately become the assistant head coach wherever uh, his son would go because he's got that experience and other things. But it, it is interesting to me that that, that always st stuck out to me that like Brian Callahan got this really good job. You'd think, you know, if dad wanted to go help him out, it would have been for that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, th that's the expectation is that if he, his son gets the job as a head coach, Bill will, you know, the Browns will let him out of his contract and go and go coach. Now, the thing that, also struck me as a little funny with that is that I've always been under the impression that the Browns are very excited about Scott Peters being the next offensive line coach, the current assistant yeah. offensive line coach for Bill Callahan. Um, he is really highly regarded. You know, if you've occasionally you might see links to like clinic talks he gives, he's really, really good. Uh, and those type of things. I, I know the, the players like him in the building. I've always assumed that he would be that guy. Now it's possible that the Browns could, Let's say let's say Bill Callahan was to leave and they bring in, uh, you know, the Seahawks offensive line coach to, to coach offensive line with him. Um, I mean, that's a possibility, uh, I guess, clearly. But it just struck me as a little weird. I always figured that because Bill Callahan, even if he even if he, you know, stays with the Browns, he's 67. I don't know how you know, I don't know how long he plans on doing this, but yeah. I think at some point he's going to hand over the reins to Scott Peters. That was always my assumption. This, maybe I'm wrong on that. No, I, I think that's fair. Uh, at least the reputation around Peters is that he's excellent and has learned from uh, Callahan. So it would seem the Browns are in a good position there, at least as someone right uh, to fill in his shoes as you know, uh, he would be a difficult coach to replace. Uh, back to Deuce Staley here. Do you believe that he is interviewing for the running backs job or the OC job, in your opinion? I assume both. Okay. I, I assume that the Browns are basically looking at this with an open mind and saying, if, he's, if, if we like him as the offensive coordinator, we hire him as the offensive coordinator. If not, and, he, you know, and we get an OC we like, and that guy fits with what Deuce Staley does, that the, they bring in Deuce Staley, who's um, not only been a running backs coach, but he's been the assistant head coach for now for three different teams. Yeah. Um, and 
notably 16 years younger than Stump Mitchell, even though Deuce Daly's been around a while. Yeah. Um, has a Super Bowl ring with the with the Eagles, worked with Jim Schwartz there, would have been there at the same time Schwartz was, and Andrew Barry. So there's some, you know, there's some connections there. Um, it's funny because Deuce Daly was like this rising star um, in the coaching ranks for for the last several years, and then you go to Carolina for a year, and suddenly nobody cares about you <laughs> because that team was just such a debacle with with ownership and everything else. But uh, you know, I, I don't know enough about Deuce Staley in terms of what he wants to do offensively and everything, but he does carry a, a, a heck of a re- reputation with running backs, and and clearly the Browns need that. And if again we talk about if the Browns want to go with a run game coordinator, can he design a run game that's in that, that's going to be effective with what the Browns want to do personnel wise and, and what they want to do with play action and their quarterback. Um, but, you know, it's interesting to me that, that the, 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 the second these moves get made, the Browns have one of the highest profile guys in the building uh, out there on the market to, to potentially talk about a job, which again, Suggests to me that Kevin Stefanski, Kevin Stefanski has a reputation of being a, a good coach to work for, um, and it, it does seem like the Browns have, have, have built up a strong enough reputation where people want to come here. Um, certainly, the front office has been that way, uh, but increasingly in the coaching ranks, which you know suggests the Browns can can attract top tier talent. Uh, Bubba Ventron last year and Jim Schwartz certainly helped with that. So just continuing to build up with a good coaching staff or at least names out there that people feel good about is, is certainly a good thing. And just getting more, more good candidates to possibly pick from as they try to find the right fit. It's a weird. um, Okay. So I want to talk about like why the, the need for change on offense side of the ball a little bit here as we wind down. So, the the straight I want to bring up Deshaun Watson. You mentioned the run game a lot, and certainly that was an issue. But you have Watson, and you have what you had this year, and you had these breadcrumbs all of last off season that uh, the Browns seemingly were laying down that this you know we were going to see this shift in offense with Watson, right? And um, it felt like that shift didn't happen early in the season, whether that was a lack of trust, which I kind of felt like it was maybe Stefanski saying he's not ready to do X, Y, Z. Uh, so we kind of revert back to what is more my core uh, offensive stuff. Either way, uh, the injuries lead to this long path through four or five quarterbacks, right, in the season where the offense was up and down and did this and that and the other. And at the end of the day, the evaluation is we need to change and get better at certainly the run game because that was obvious and you've talked about that. But to talk about it for Watson, like when you when you think of like what we learned from four games with Flacco's performance and, and uh, you know, the success they had there, what are what do you think or what do you picture them trying to marry offensively that makes sense here uh, from Stefanski and like what are they trying to add that that's missing besides an improved run game? So I think potentially part of the reason that the changes were made is because of what you talked about. It looked clunky early in the year because yes. it, either either the coaches in the building 
were unwilling or uncomfortable making that shift. And it seems like they fell back into their old routine too much yes, uh, and weren't willing to make that commitment. That may be a big reason why we are where we are. Um, beyond that, I think what you saw over the course of the year from the run side was this like searching of trying to find different things. And we saw different concepts evolve over the course of the year. Like they started using trap, which had some great moments Work, using yeah. more pin pull. Um, you know, they've messed around with inside zone. It just didn't seem like they really committed to it in a way that they potentially need to. They've run split zone, but it just seemed so spotty in terms of what they were trying to do that. I think they need to get to a point where, I think Kevin Stefanski in part wants to commit to something that's going to be good for everyone. Certainly Watson, there's no doubt that Watson is the biggest part of this, but I, but as, but as I I would stress, even if Joe Flacco is going to be the starting quarterback this coming year, they would still need to do these changes. They would still need to go in this direction because of all the other stuff we laid out. But if it's, if they want to use, utilize more RPOs, if they want to utilize, uh, you know, some of the concepts that maybe Watson's more comfortable with out of shotgun, then yes, inside zone, split zone, those are easy ways to be able to get into the RPO game where it, you know, your, your offensive line is not asked to do a, a you know, half dozen different blocking schemes. You need, you get one, you can really hammer it over and over again uh, and get effective with it as opposed to this past year where it seemed like they were trying to do too many things with guys that just were not capable of executing them. So, um, I, I don't think the passing game in terms of like overall concepts, I, I don't get all that worried about it. Certainly there are things they can do. We talk about motion. We talk about being able to create quick passes and some of those things, but like Watson can clearly make those throws that like Flacco was doing. Uh, I, I certainly think that, or I should say, I hope that Watson watched Flacco and some of these other guys and was sort of, I think, I, I hope there's this competitive element of him who goes, I can do that. Or I yeah. want to be able to do that because it's having a lot of success while also still wanting to get into things that are more comfortable for him, more natural for him or things he's had success with in the past. So it's kind of like a combination, right? Like, so for example, uh, I've heard Zagura, Nathan Zagura mentioned multiple times about Watson you know, oh, the, you know, the Browns really think they found something with the play action game and Joe Flacco. Uh, but you're talking about a lot of what Joe did under center with his back to the defense play action, right? And that I get the feeling coming into this year that was something they didn't want Watson doing. You, or no, or, or are we talking about now asking Watson to get under center, turn his back to the defense, and do the stuff that Joe was doing, as well as, like you said, maybe some more shotgun and and creativity that way. So um, Watson hadn't done a whole lot. Obviously, hadn't played under center much anyway. But he's so accustomed to seeing everything in front of him, so everything was out of gun. It's certainly an adjustment to then do play action where you're turning your back to the defense, something Flacco's – has extensive experience with feels super comfortable with. Yeah. I hope that the Browns don't go, well, he can't yeah, that Watson's not comfortable doing this. We're never going to do this because it's okay. super effective. Yeah. Clearly you saw how good Flacco can do it. And that's, that's a huge part of it. But at the same time, you know, Watson is more effective out of gun. So you have to cater to that. Yeah. And you have to be able to run effectively out of that. 
you can't get into a situation where, you know, if, if, if Watson is under center, then it's either run or play action, but not just a, a drop back passing game. You have to be able to have a base, you know, a, a, a look where the, the defense has to be able to uh, think about all of it. Yeah. You have to be able to be worried about all the different things you can do. Um, so some of this is unknowable without, you know, having Watson, you know, getting sodium pentothal and Watson and having him truly explain what he likes and doesn't like. Sodium. I, I think in some ways he will, I think he wants to meet my assumption is he wants to meet them in the middle a little bit. He wants to sort of, yeah, he wants to expand what he can do because ultimately that's going to make him a better quarterback. At the same time, I, I, I would, I would postulate that he also didn't feel like they were meeting him enough in some of the way things he was doing. And that sort of led to some discomfort and just disjointed looking offense. So I think they need to, Start with what Watson is comfortable with ultimately and the stuff that he does really well and then expand just like we talked about it on the defensive side, expand into some of these other things that can can help him uh, do more in general, can add to his game that can make him more threatening. But like if you are sitting there going, you know, you're, you're just drawing up a list of things that we need to be able to run with Watson. Clearly you need to be able to run the ball out of shotgun. Clearly you need to be able to pass the ball out of shotgun. Clearly you need to be able to either play action or RPO out of shotgun. You can still do some of those other things. And I hope they do again, turning your back on play action is such an effective way to do it, but it, it, it has to start with what works for your personnel and Watson is your personnel in many ways. So that's where it's got to, that's where it's got to begin. But you know, and again, like I said, I think part of the reason Stefanski is making the moves he is is to make sure that he's doing right by. This is his guy. Let's. I mean, it, he's the guy behind this. It, you know, we people can say it was Jimmy Haslam. It, clearly, Kevin Stefanski wanted him, so yeah. he's doing everything in his power to put him in the best chance to best uh, situation to succeed, which is what everybody wants. So that's yeah. more indication why I think these moves were made. Yeah, I agree. Uh, totally. Um, last thing here, you're watching uh, All Eyes on Cleveland on the OBR Streaming Network. Make sure you uh, subscribe if you're watching now or on playback as we make our push to 10,000 subscribers on the channel. Uh, do your part, atone for your sins, and subscribe. Uh, we appreciate you all joining us here live tonight. Uh, last thing here, uh, P, before we get out of here, as the hour has flown by, but, uh, I, you know, this what the Browns front office has done or, or, or Andrew Barry has done um, in the offseason was an offense, like a mostly offensive, attentive, let, we're going to make a conscious effort to get better on the offensive side of the ball, then the defensive side of the ball, then the offensive side of the ball, then the defensive side of the ball. And Schwartz, now it would feel like it's the offensive side. It's not that they didn't make moves on both, but there was a, uh, it appeared a genuine focus as far as the way assets were spent each year to concentrate on one side of the football. This would be an offensive offseason. Do you believe that they will concentrate on spending and using their assets to get much better on the offensive side of the ball. 
In the draft, yes. Now, ultimately, it's obviously got to go through the the lens of value, but I think the offense is going to get a huge infusion of uh, players through the draft. Uh, be, they, they need to be forward thinking on the offensive line. Um, they need to continue to add wide receiver help. Uh, now, I, I, I would not put it past them to go out and sign another free agent wide receiver. Um, but I, but I do think they they're going to continue to try to infuse that side of the ball with younger talent um, because they are older on that side of the ball for the most yeah. part. But certainly the defense is going to get uh, looked at. Defensive line continues to to be an area where they're going to want to continue to keep adding talent. You know, it, we'll see what happens with Zadaria Smith. But if he's not back, they're going to have to put somebody else there. But the defense and linebacker potentially is another spot where you could see a little bit more help added. But overall, the offensive side of the ball needs more love than the defensive side of the ball. Injuries certainly were bad on that side of the ball, but there are a lot of issues that are going to prop up that that may not be present this coming year, but are going to come pretty quickly. Offensive tackle is a huge one. Uh, Dewan Jones hitting the ground running was fantastic, but it's not enough. Guard is is a is an area where I think they have to get somebody younger in there yeah. um, this coming off season. Uh, and then yes, receivers and then, you know, running back's a big question. I don't know what they're going to do with running back, but you would think they have to to start thinking about that pretty heavily even if Nick Chubb is back this coming year, they're going to want somebody else to to keep adding to that. Uh they can't cannot run Kareem Hunt back out there again. No. Uh, they have to continue to add to that side of the ball, uh, continue to add weapons. And that's the other reason is just more weapons for Watson is always going to be beneficial. Tight end would yeah. be another spot where I, I could see them doing it. I think they would love to keep Harrison Bryant. I expect they will probably try to resign him. I did not love what we got from Jordan Akins this year, no. but I think Harrison Bryant's probably a better tight end three and that overall super utility player as they try to get another young tight end to develop behind the joke. Njoku. Yeah, another uh, guy that uh, can catch the ball too, as you know, to your point, Aikens really didn't fill that role like they potentially maybe thought uh, he would. Any upgrades to the conditioning regime? <laughs> uh, great question. Uh, the um, I think that's it for tonight, ladies and gentlemen. This has been All Eyes on Cleveland. Uh, the season... Uh, ended and we are already in the off season. It'll be uh, a fun off season. It is absolutely critical for the Browns uh, as they uh, look to find an answer uh, that works for Watson quickly and efficiently. Uh, and uh, I do think to uh, that these moves here um, coming just a couple days after a disappointing end of the season do uh, bode well for uh, the future of the offense just for the reason alone uh, that they are willing to make those moves. Uh, any parting words here tonight, Pete? No, I mean, I think the overall theme is going to be younger. The coaching staff changes they're going to make, I think it's going to be yeah. a big emphasis on getting younger and more forward thinking and modernizing. Uh, I'm, But I'm, I'm, I'm open-minded to see what happens with uh, with these hires. I, I think I would plead with people don't get worked up one way or the other because, again, it's very difficult to have enough information to know. 
and and regardless of you know who tells you radio or otherwise, well, they need to hire this guy. We don't know until it happens, but I would hope that Stefanski's hires this past you know this past season would be an indication that you should probably give him a little bit of trust and that he knows what he wants and and what's going to be right for this team. Hundred percent. Pete Smith, follow him on X or Twitter at underscore Pete Smith underscore. Fantastic job as always. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the breakdown of everything uh, regarding the Browns coaching shakeup here right out of the gate this offseason. Thanks for watching All Eyes on Cleveland. Hit like and subscribe on your way out. For everybody at the OBR, for Pete Smith, my name is Brad Ward. Have a wonderful evening. We are out.